Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Tonight, we have Max McCabe returning to the dojo to speak about his experiences. Max is an experiencer who has encountered the phenomenon repeatedly and has been trying to spread awareness through the UFO Connector, Cab's YouTube channel, Twitter, Talkspaces, and more. We also have co-host DJ, the host of Calling All Beings, a retired U.S. Air Force veteran and a yoga instructor here today. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, good this to be is, here. This is all about Max McKay, baby, the UAP magnet. <laughs> they won't leave this man alone. Damn. <laughs> oh, yes. it's, it's always good to speak to you guys. I've actually really, really... Um, feel like you're, you're, you're my friends mm-hmm. and you've got such good hearts that it's always a pleasure it's always a pleasure and yeah, deb I... is so damn adorable yeah. i mean it's just you know <laughs> yeah that's really helpful for listeners they appreciate that i'm sure okay yes <laughs> but it's not only it's just the stuff you say it just the whole package there you go okay yeah. i yeah you know what we found out though that steph who's a new member she says anyhow to my anywho <laughs> Oh, wow, <laughs> she has the more proper English, man. I, we're going to start promoting what school she went to instead of your college. <laughs> Anywho, so Max, yes. Let's. Last time you were here, we were talking about some of your initial experiences, including you know your family getting involved and letting you know what was going on, and that was about 2014. Can you please recap a little bit about those initial experiences? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so my daughter and a neighbor was her best friend, were stood outside the front of the house one night in late September, early 2014. I was in bed. They saw these balls of light in the sky, not very high, at the front of the house, um, dancing around, making formations, and shooting off. Uh, clearly anomalous, strange. Um, they told me the next day, and I, I was up that night. I thought, wow, I wonder what that was. I had no interest in the subject of UFOs or anything like that whatsoever. But I obviously believed her. She had no reason to make it up. She wouldn't have done that. We were very close. Um, and I just kind of thought, interesting, okay, so... The next night I was up super late um, working on a website that I was creating for somebody and it was about 4 a.m. and I went outside the back of the house to smoke before I went to bed. Um, Beautiful clear night, starry night, not a cloud in the sky, it was very cold and I sat down and I was looking up at the starry night thinking how beautiful the stars were. Hey Max, can I interrupt for one second? I mean I have to take issue with the smoking. Uh, because it's really bad for your health. And by 4 a.m., I feel like you should already be in bed. And this all wouldn't have happened. Exactly. So, I mean, I think the message is go to bed earlier. And don't smoke, kids. Yeah, and don't. (laughs) (laughs) And that's from Santa Max. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I will say that a lot of people think, like, three to four is the witching hour. So you Mm -hmm. were just. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably right. Yeah, don't um, smoke at three. 
<laughs> I, I, yeah, I was really, really tired. And I, it was at that point where I just thought, I am shattered. Um, and I can't remember if I'd finished the website or not, but I was, I know I was close. Um, so I just went out. <laughs> uh, anyway, as I was looking up at the stars, and it was one of those nights where all the stars, it was so beautiful, right? And um, just when I was thinking that, it appeared as if there was uh, distant lightning is what I first thought because there was a, a double flash of white light that lit up the sky in the, in the area I was looking at. And I, as I thought, oh, I must be lightning, there was a, another double flash of pure, brilliant white light. Uh, and I'm thinking, what? Well, there's no clouds, there's no humidity. I looked straight up. Um, and at that very moment, with these two balls... I notice it sounds weird, but just two balls of white light traveling side by side from over from behind where I was sitting, traveling to in front of me. Um, then probably hard to guesstimate distance, maybe a hundred feet up, not very high. Mm-hmm. Um, and they double flashed a quick succession of bright white light and then broke off at a 90 degree left turn at a right angle turn and shot off so fast like a bullet from a gun kind of speed and they left what appeared to my eye like a visible trace line um, like a ghosting effect uh, of course i just thought wow and wtf <laughs> i ran through the house only takes a couple of seconds because the direction they traveled was directly over the roof of the house from the back to the front of the house right so i've run through uh, and i can't see anything in the sky um and that's when I looked at the, my phone for the time. I didn't have a watch. And it was about 10 or 11 minutes past 4 a.m. Because I thought, well, I'll tell my daughter I'd seen the same thing she had seen. Um, so I hung around for maybe another couple of minutes, hoping to see something more. By this time, I'm like, right, they're not coming back. I'm going to bed. I'm knackered. And I come in, close the door, lock it, turn around, go up the stairs. I'm struck with this, and I can never put this into words properly. It's never been able, I've never been able to do this because it's so bizarre, so unique. I was struck with um, an instruction, can only class it as a telepathic instruction. It wasn't in words. And my mind unraveled it into don't close the door, go outside and look up. It was instantaneous and it was shocking and it felt like something physically touched a part of my brain or used a part of my brain that has never been used before, but that's there to, for this very reason. It was perfect, perfect communication. So in shock, I turn around and go outside. And as I step outside the door and look up, just as I'd been instructed to do, a beautiful, huge object moved out from over the house, maybe 60, 80 feet up. It didn't seem any more than stacking this two-story house on top of itself. Maybe a little bit more, 60, 80 feet maybe, 25, 30 meters tops. And it moves out and stops right just just ahead of me, right above me. Right? But all at once, I'm st- struck with the intensity of what felt like static electricity. felt like I'd walked into a bath of static electricity. All of the hair stood on end, all of it, not just the back of my neck, but I was getting tingles up and down my spine, over my head. It was completely electrifying. 
all of the classic signs I now know, but I, I didn't know what was happening. I, I didn't know anything about this stuff. I, everything felt ultra silent. Um, and I had, was struck with an intense feeling of love and intimate connectedness with whatever this thing was. It was all very strange, right? Freaked me out. Didn't know what on earth I was looking at, what was happening. Um, and strangely enough, I, I, I waved because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> I just had, what do you do? What am I looking at? It felt as if I was being observed, watched very, very strongly that it was a more than just a feeling. It was scanned. It, yeah. It felt like whatever it, it had done on the staircase when I went to go upstairs and it told me to go outside and look up, it felt like whatever it had done there, it's almost like it hadn't broken a connection and it was, it was a, it was a tangible feeling. Like it was just bizarre in every way. You know, so this, I'm going to chime in on this one because this yeah. was about where we were last time. We talked right. last time about how you had a sensation of your brain changing and electromagnetic and all mm -hmm. that. Um, and we haven't gotten to the next part where things change to the negative. But I just wanted to comment real quick that you do hear a lot about this concept that we might be getting remote viewed or that we might be getting watched or surveyed um, from people who have this experience and not necessarily able to see this object like you did, but it's just an interesting twist to everything. Yeah. Hey, Deb, could you, could you expand on that for me? Are you talking about remote viewed from the phenomenon or remote viewed yes. from another human from yes. the phenomenon? Okay. There's actually people who have had experiences, um, where they say, you know, that you can remote view to the craft and they are watching these um, beings watching us. Believe it or not. <laughs> so I, that's. I, I, yeah, I mean, a double remote view, basically. Yeah, well, and then apparently yeah. they get picked up because, you know, the whole method that they seem to work with is either electromagnetic technology or it's consciousness we can't really say we don't know we don't know the science of consciousness yet i don't think it's electromagnetic that was my first hypothesis and the reason I, i'll ask you guys what you think about this the reason i don't think so is if they say that they can see outside the atmosphere um then i i don't think it's electrical from the at that at that point i think it's another type of a, a medium that they're able to trap what you talked about consciousness because Getting to Mars, I mean, that would, you know, from, you know what I mean? Like from an electrical standpoint, would take quite a while. I don't know. That's just the theory. I don't think it's, I thought it could be like a, an HF radio transmission and now I don't. But maybe I, that, I'm just, you know, throwing confetti in the air here. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. We're going to have to figure it out at some point, aren't we? And I hope yes, that's what science is going to go towards soon. Well, Max is going to do it for us. So, I mean, I'm not going to have to work very hard to figure out how remote. I'm just going to wait on Max to come up with this. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. I, yeah, it drives me nuts. Drives me insane not having the answers. Um, absolutely drives me crazy. Um, but yeah, so the this... This in this craft, this object, whatever it was, I, I struggled to say craft because that's an assumption in itself. Even though 
what was odd about it is um because i had no not knowledge of any of this subject matter right um when i first described the shape of it i would have said and i did say a horizontal diamond shape there's a reason for that and then later when i started to obviously after everything that happened started to happen i delved right into it um became absolutely obsessed looking for answers and you know when i look back on on being so close to it i would i would now okay this slight speculation assumption but it was if you were looking at a disc classic saucer right um except instead of a bubble above and below it because of the way the light was shooting out from the top from from the center vertically up and down for some reason um it gave you couldn't see the curvature so it gave it a spike more of a spike so hence why a mm -hmm. horizontal diamond mm. but what was it was just the most incredible beautiful thing to see um right. it had moving what looked like plasma mm -hmm. moving waving just constant movement um and almost like it was setting the air on fire but again that speculation but it appeared to be plasma golden tinge towards the edges more white in the center shard of light sticking above and below emanating from the center and uh beyond the moving edges almost like it was lapping flames it's what, it's, what shape was the bottom the bottom of the of the object well both both the top and the bottom symmetrical obscure yeah, perfectly symmetrical but obscured um because Got of it. the lighting effect that was shooting out from the top and the bottom and the the only since then DJ, since then seeing uh, obviously since then i've seen things which have made me go oh okay people refer to the spinning top shape not just on the military videos right but um people could say well that's uh in ir infrared or some other heat signature but actually that's exactly the shape that i was looking at it's exactly the same shape it also pops up in the videos right. that you know about if i recall you have put out on twitter um that there's an object that was taken near your house uh, a picture correct and that object looks very much like the gimbal is that correct um the the picture near the house like the gimbal um there was a guy that took a photo of the white balls of light mm -hmm. spheres of light um you know his name i want to speak to him so you know i'm gonna his name's martin fitzgerald he's mm -hmm. not gonna hear this because he's not he's not um judging by the message that he put out the photo that he took he put a, a message out on facebook breton community group back in i think it was 2018 my daughter got in touch with me and said hey dad you need to see this because other people someone else has seen the balls of light that we all saw um and i don't didn't use facebook at all at the time so i asked her to contact him give her give him my phone number please ask him to call me didn't give any detail just please call me about this he never did and i've looked for him ever since or since and i can't find him but his description was two balls of light he was walking his dog midnight ish and um he watched them dancing around just above him and then another one joined in and then they shot straight up and he said has anybody got a reasonable ex explanation as to what these things are they're obviously not drones and so on and so forth so um 
yeah, it leads, it leads into this, Debs, because a lot of people have seen these things around here. A lot of people, and it's ongoing. And there could be, you know, uh, a lot of reasons for that. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'll, stay well, on I'll stay on track with the. Well, unfortunately, it, it's time to go to the not so pleasant part of what happened <laughs> next. And I. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, it did. It did go a little bit south. Apparently, after. After the first really positive, I would say, encounter, although, of course, disjarring and, you know, people talk about this shock and whatnot. But but I think, you know, your next encounter wasn't so great and we didn't quite get into that last time. So that's, what I think, where we are. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll skim over the when the thing was over me, I, I shouted out. I wanted to shout out, sorry, for someone else because I started to think this can't be safe. The the electrical kind of feeling in the air was so overpowering and I realized I'm really uh, vulnerable right now. If, if this isn't going to be safe, no one's awake. Nobody's responding. Everyone's asleep. I'm by myself. No one's going to believe this and no one's going to know what's happened to me. So I considered running in, considered shouting out. I thought about my phone in my pocket and the thing started to move left. I was there for maybe a couple of minutes under it uh, tops and so it started to move to my left. I ran under it, not wanting it to go, actually, because it was such an incredible experience. It was uh, all very contradictory. And then as I got um, a few, maybe a few dozen yards down the road, it curved and went up higher and faster. And I watched it go up, 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 faster and faster into the atmosphere. Now, the next night, uh, I'd stayed up to my for my girlfriend to wake up, explained, tried to explain to her what had just happened as she went off to work, laid in bed with my head tingling. I felt like electrical fireworks going off. Um, definitely something physical had taken place because it did not feel normal. And the, um, But the next night I was determined to stay up in case it came back, right, in the hope that it would and that she would stay up with me. Now, she was getting up at 5 a.m. to go and be a carer at 6 a.m. to work. And so she promised me, that if it comes, call me and I'll get out of bed. She promised me, <laughs> but she didn't. So I'm up all night on purpose, pacing backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Um, and I'm out the front of the house this time. And all of a sudden, it appears to my right. And it's it's traveling just along the roof line of the two or three story houses over to my right, only 100 meters or so away, something like that. Not far but it's, it's about the same height that it was over this house, just over the rooftops of these people asleep. And that was a spooky thing. That while they're laying there in bed, this thing's just traveling over mm -hmm. their, their bedrooms. Um, and so I'm stood there thinking, I don't want to take my eyes off it because it's so stunning. I also need to make a decision whether I'm going to use my phone to try to record it or call her like I promised I would. And so I end up calling her because I'd rather her share the experience than just try to get a grainy image on an old 2014 Nokia phone. Um, and I called her and I'm trying to convince her, quick, 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 you've got to come now. It's here now. It's like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm like, really? Oh, my God. <laughs> How oh, many times yeah. did you see a UFO, man? Yeah, Jeez. exactly. You know, so, I'm getting my nails done, so, you know, yeah. E.T.'s going to have to wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it basically... it. Does a, it does a 90 degree turn 
um, just like on a dime, and it turns left, right angle, and it's now heading from my right to my left. Um, and that's when I've, I'm on the phone to her at that point. So by the time she's off the phone, the thing's zooming up faster and higher and going up into the sky and up into the atmosphere. So it was the third night, Debs, that I, this time I was determined. So I said, you have to go to bed early and you have to wake up because it clearly is coming back around this kind of time, 4, 4.30 in the morning. Um, and so she does. And she gets up nice and early and I'm doing the pacing backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Um, and she's making coffee and I'm out the back garden. And then from the opposite direction, um, it comes down out of the blue, it just comes down real from high up, almost straight down, like in a more of a, a really steep angle and stops again at about the same height over the rooftops in the opposite direction. So I'm like, quick, 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 see her. And she runs out from the kitchen because she's only 5'2", I pick her up and, <laughs> and, pick her up like... <laughs> and she's she's watching this thing just sat there so beautiful. I Honestly, I'd do anything to see it again. It's so, so stunning. I mean, uh, it, 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 there's yeah. no way you could describe it. We, I mean, we believe mm. you, but for mm. us, we can't imagine what that would be like to have it lingering there. I mean, the one site, the fleeting things that Deb's seen and I've seen are so fast by the time you process it is gone you know but with you i mean you're actually there processing it it's beautiful man it's just it's giving me tingles at the back of the head right now just thinking about it that's oh i will argue that my my first uap i was the one that was gone because i didn't hang around i was busy Deb, were you having your nails done no, I was grinding for oh. work. Well, that's just... no excuse. You'd pull over. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is saying that, but I had clients in my no. car. Yeah. yeah, but hey, kids, there's a UFO. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, I told you that since then, other clients saw them while I was driving, and I couldn't stop, and I couldn't see it because I was driving. But anywho, that's another, another story. But um, you know what? You I was need to thinking? be a less responsible driver. That's the I, problem. I guess. Yeah. I guess. So you know what I was thinking about, Max? Mm. A lot of people speculate um, that this could possibly be human technology, which, of course, a lot of people are like, "That's crazy, right?" But, but when you think about if they're just like hanging out over people's houses and kind of surveying. I would think there would be like a moral issue there getting that close and freaking people out. And I mean, I just don't, I don't see it. Like I don't see a whole bunch of people saying it's totally cool to just freak everybody out. Yeah. It would be, it would be the ultimate prank though. Right. If it was, but I, well, the, the, the but problem I, is going to come is cause then you're going to, you're going to talk to me and yeah. I'm going to ask you by what method is it's flying and you're not going to be able to explain that. And I'm, I'm when I say you, I don't mean you and Deb. I mean you, the skeptic, you, the Stephen Greenstreet, you know, everything's a drone because I'm going to start talking about. All right. Let's start talking about the aerodynamics of this thing, the propulsive properties, and they're not going to be able to explain that. Uh, by, the, by the way, on, on record, Greenstreet admitted that he definitely thinks there is a phenomenon. And oh, thank God. Thank God. I mean, because I, I, I just couldn't wait for him to, you know, now, I mean, really, I, I could care less what I care what he thinks. Like I care what Mick West thinks, which is none. Mm. So I don't care. Anyway. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing I've got to say. It's, um, I find it really, I understand 
people's skepticism if they see if i hadn't have gone through it myself i don't know i probably would have an open mind as i always did anyway an open mind of, of any subject always give people the benefit of that of the doubt but it would it's for me and for anybody i think that goes through something that close and that bizarre i couldn't believe it this is the ontological shock is i couldn't believe it i couldn't process it but it happened there was no denying that it was it it happened so to me the idea that it's when people argue about military black secret projects and drones and i just sorry but no it, right why are they flying over houses in peterborough yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, why would they do that? Here. Why would they right. freak people out unnecessarily? So the other thing yeah. I was going to say when you said that, though, um, was, you know, you're talking about this feeling of what the heck, right? And it seems like that's a common thing also for experiencers. Like, you just know instinctively that's not right. That's not ours. You just know it immediately. Everything about it, Debs, even the light that emanated from it was unique. It was mm -hmm. instantaneous, instantly, right? You recognize right. that you've never laid your eyeballs on something with that type of light before. Everything about it is so unique and bizarre. Uh, so it is instantly recognizable. It's not like uh, mistaking it for something else. You know, by but, the way, I just want to comment that I've done research on people just looking at these objects and have learned that you can have burns in your eyes from looking at them because of possible UV um, issues. Did you have any irritation in your eyes? Just curious. No, and that's, I asked my girlfriend maybe a while back, I, when I started to learn about these things, physical effects, I mean, mm -hmm. of course, when I was under it, I did think myself personally, it just didn't seem to be clever with, with that much static electricity, right? But the other part of it, like you mentioned with the eye, eyes, is I thought what was the other bizarre thing about the luminescence was how incredibly bright it was, and yet it was gentle on the eyes. Hmm. So it was, you know, almost like staring directly at the sun in terms of intensity, and yet it it wasn't hard to look at. So that's part of what I mean by everything about it was bizarre. Like the luminosity, the type of light, the intensity of the light. My brother asked me later, well, if it was that bright, it should have lit up the entire area. And I was like, you know what? You're right, because it was that low over us. It was that super bright. Why didn't it light up the whole area like daytime? So everything about it doesn't make sense. And the one, the one I saw did do that. It, oh, did, it did light up the sky significantly. Oh, but wow. it was a, one of the triangular shaped uh hudson valley you know and and i just did not see the underneath aspect so i'm mm. a i'm making an assumption there was a triangle i saw it from the rear aspect but uh -huh. what was uh significant about it or or uh uh was was the fact that it was very lit up when it i saw it come up above the trees it just lit up the sky like almost wow. a pseudo daytime right and so. he, that, that leads into other questions of why are we getting different types if it's not different? Is it one phenomenon that's one thing that's masquerading as several different things? Or is it several different things and we no can't put them know. into one basket? Right. No way and to then, know until we make contact. You know. Exactly. But I did want to say one thing about the sunburns because 
uh, Terry Lovelace's book, I, and I, Deb, correct me, it might be Incident in Devil's Den. Uh, I believe oh, right. that Devil's Den is in Arkansas, and they were stationed at Whiteman Air Force Base, where the uh, B-2 is now. And they went to Devil's Den on a photography uh, camping trip. Uh, he and his uh, fellow airman named Toby. And when they when those guys were dropped off uh, out of the craft, they went up in the craft. They were examined. They were dropped back off at their campsite. They literally beat, got in the car, beat feet, and screamed out of there uh, like nobody's business. And they left their campsite intact. They didn't pick up anything. But when they got to a convenience store, uh, the gentleman at the convenience, and the reason they went to the convenience store is they were severely dehydrated, which you could imagine if you went up into a craft for any amount of hours, what would happen with your heartbeat? And if they didn't give you water or something to drink or intravenous hydration, you would be very dehydrated because your heart would be racing. So uh, when they when they went to, to a convenience store, the, the man behind the counter said, you know, what the hell's going on with you boys? You look like, you know, you just, you're sunburned. And that's why they went directly to the hospital on base. And I'm not going to tell you the whole book, but it's, it's a great, uh, uh, a great story. And, and their experience may have been different than yours from a standpoint of uh, the ultraviolet uh, light. It's a good point, DJ. Um, because one of the things I wanted to look into, and I found some papers on this, I was fascinated with, obviously, Kit Green, Gary Nolan's work, the stuff that came out a few months back, um, because I have massive questions, right? Is if, obviously, I'm under it, very close. Um, Time-wise, what's strange about it is there was some sort of time issue, but there was nothing chronologically missing from, uh, from, from my perspective. So yes. why wasn't I hurt, right? Um, I asked my girlfriend, "Did do you remember me having any kind of sunburn or red face?" And I, I can't remember because again, I, I don't think I did. If it, if I did, it may have been just slightly, but I'm not saying I did. The, me at the time, I knew nothing of any of this stuff, so I'm confused. Uh, I was initially confused as to why there was there's so much noise made about negative health effects, right? Mm. Well, why didn't I have any then? Were, were you wearing your stormtroopers uniform? Because those of you who don't know, Max is also an actor. Because um, that could explain it. If you actually, wearing- I I did have another theory that may explain it. Oh, she's going to be serious now. Okay, go ahead. okay. I was just thinking. So a lot of people talk about time dilation as part of travel, right? And a lot of people talk about. You know, what could the lights be about? Could they be using them, um, you know, with the metamaterials to help with cloaking? Who knows, right? But but what I find interesting is when you describe your encounter, you're describing an object that sounds like it's moving pretty slow. And um, almost every person that I've heard, like, talk about, you know, loss of time, etc. It sounds like their object's going like that. It's moving pretty quick. So, well, but the fighter wing one was not. I mean, it's obviously moving at the same speed that the fighter was, but sitting off the wingtip. What did he have a time dilation issue? Yes, they okay. said that the, about the fuel. That I mean, the fuel count in a fighter. You're talking about an hour and a half of fuel compared to a plane that might fly you six, seven hours worth of fuel or more. 
Uh, and so when you're missing five minutes of fuel, you look down at your fuel counter, you know it. I mean, you know those guys are, I mean, it's like a top fuel dragster. You know, you, you run it, and then you got to get gas. They don't, they don't have a lot of endur- what we call endurance in aviation. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I'm just, hmm. hmm. He said the amount of fuel that he used didn't match up with the, uh, uh, the change in chronological time. And it stayed with him the whole time. Yeah, and not to mention the fact that uh, Admiral or uh, Secretary, uh, excuse me, uh, CIA Director James Woolsey said that uh, one of them uh, stopped in midair, stopped his aircraft in midair. Okay, so maybe, here I'm just throwing this out there, maybe because that was much further up in the sky and they had to do some time dilation. Maybe. Everything's on the table, Debs. Everything's on the table. Another speculation could be, well, um, why the silence? Because it was ultra, ultra silent. Like I've never had anything like that before. Well, that's the amazing part. That Maybe. that's what that's what freaks me the hell out mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. in order to create a propulsive effect, it's going to be something thermodynamic. It could be internal combustion. It could be gas turbine. It could be electric drone with a bunch of different propellers. But every single one of them makes noise because they're all they all emit a thermodynamic uh, there's a, a thermodynamic result of their propulsion. Mm, yeah, exactly. But it, it seemed to only, if I, it seemed to only last a few minutes from when I stepped out under it to when I ran under it and it went off. That's, I'm going to guesstimate here about two, three minutes tops for that whole part of it. But, but here's the cool thing or the weird thing is that when I, I know that I looked at the time because I used to have a clock on the wall here when I came in and I was like, hold on, that was, it's now 22 five. So approximately half an hour, 25, 30 minutes had gone past mm-hmm. from when I looked at my phone outside and came in to when I stepped out and everything happened. It's that from when I stepped out only appeared to me to last two or three minutes. Right. But it was 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> But, but there was yeah. nothing missing in the order of things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have any blank spot. Well, you know, I, t- I do wonder if something, ha- like, people are unconscious, maybe. They just, like, pass out because of it. Mm. Or the adrenaline impacts the time also sometimes. You know, I just, I wonder. And I, I know that we are not always sure about time. But the serious issue is when people lose hours. Yeah, so. well. Well, that's what happened later, Debs. That, that's what confuses the hell out of me because, um, right, so, right. So th- this whole thing that happened, those first three nights, right, I was so unbelievably happy and relieved that my girlfriend had been with me and the thing hang, hung there in the sky, low, I say in the sky, it was, again, maybe 60, 80 feet up. Just this over is the, the, the school bus size one, right? Yeah. The cylindrical, vertical. No, this- this is the still the exact same diamond, golden plasmary spinning right. top shape, um, one, and it. So this is the third night, and she's looking at it, both looking at it, and it's it's just sat there after descending quite fast. And the way it moves is just beautiful. It's, it is like a 
like a hockey hockey puck on ice. It just glides so perfectly. And it just came came down, stopped. She, I grabbed her, was looking at it, and she was like, oh, wow, it's so beautiful. And then the thing, after maybe six, seven seconds, it just takes off, glides up in the opposite direction. So it came down at an angle, stopped, and then went off like a V-shape you know, altogether. Um, and so that was wow. And I was so relieved. And I knew I wasn't crazy. <laughs> Thank God. And I knew it was real, but I couldn't process it. It was too much to handle. So you go into like meltdown mode and denial mode and what the fuck mode, excuse my French. Um, and so it was about five or six days later. It was super strong winds, really gale force winds because it blew our fence down and our, one of us fences down in the back garden. Um, and I'm, I've gone to the shop at night. It was nighttime, super windy, driving down the road at the back of our house here. And as I'm approaching a roundabout, I just happened to notice out the corner of my left eye a red light really, again, low, that shouldn't be there because it's all very low buildings. And I double take. I'm like, that shouldn't be there. What is that? And it was just a big ball of red light sitting above power lines, over the high-tension power lines that's over a railway track. Um and I pulled the car over because I knew there was a place to pull over immediately on the other side of the roundabout. So I'm just sitting there staring at this thing, thinking, that's not normal. It shouldn't be there. I get out the car, keep my eye on it the whole time, come around the front of the bonnet, the hood of the car. My jacket, <laughs> it's like, you Americans don't know what the hell a bonnet is <laughs> yeah. or a boot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to translate for me, baby. I got UK exposure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm looking at this thing, wouldn't take my eyes off it. Um, and again, your brain's going to, like, it, it's got to be something normal, right? But you're staring at it going, but it's not, it's not, it's not normal. What is this? So I open the passenger side door, lean in to get my coat because my phone was always kept in my breast, left breast uh, coat pocket. And as I pull out my phone, still staring at it, Pull out my phone, went to record it, and it just collapses in on itself, just gone. It didn't shoot off. It just literally disappeared. So, but, uh, uh, Max, did that thing not want you to take a photo, bruh? It seemed, it seemed so, bruh. <laughs> Debs, did that not want him to take a photo, bruh? I would, I would say that, bro. <laughs> That's really – okay, now, Max and Debs, why doesn't it want – why did it not want Max to take a photo? Well, I think the first one was saying hello. That was the impression I got. Very interested in Max, just like you were implying earlier. Um, I'm sorry, Max, you're special. They want you. Whatever. <laughs> right? I, I what kind of cologne? I want to know what kind of cologne he uses. And then... But, I, but because things kind of change and we haven't really gotten there yet, and I definitely want to do that in the time we have, is go to where things change. You have to wonder if you were dealing with more than one thing. And, you know, when you talked about, you know, initially there were two orbs and then um, what is a diamond slash possible saucer. I was thinking about close encounters where they kind of team up in close encounters, right? There's multiple objects going. And actually, that happens a lot. And a lot of people think 
you know, either those orbs or like their little version of drones kind of going ahead or multiple objects come together to help each other fly. Um, so there's a lot of speculation about why there's usually multiple, but I just wonder if you encountered different things. I, I did. Yeah. And, it, and so it was after the red ball of light. Um, I can't, cause it's been so long now. I can't remember exactly how much time had gone past. It may be a couple of weeks, something like that, maybe a few weeks. Um, and the first time it, it got scary, negative, weird, weirder, let's say. Um, I was in the gut. I'm, I'm glad again that my girlfriend experienced it with me because it's just too damn unbelievable otherwise, even for myself, right? So we're, we're out in the back garden um, before bed, uh, but anywhere between 11 and 12 midnight, something like that. Um, and we were just having a conversation. She sat to my right, two chairs, and we're facing the the opposite of where I am now. So we're facing the back fence. It's a small garden, very small. Um, and the back fence has these vertical uh, posts with big gaps in between them. So you can look through the back fence uh, and there's a couple of trees, literally a couple of trees. And then you have the main road that's lit up. Um, and so we're just sitting there having a conversation and all of a sudden, really fast, that feeling of being watched, observed, the claustrophobic feeling that I had underneath the the object the first night, yeah, it, it was really spooky um, because it wasn't a, it wasn't like a pleasant thing that happened under the object the first night. This feeling felt like a fog just falling over you. Hair on the back of my neck stood up, like I'd never had that like that before um she had it too because it stopped our conversation everything fell silent all at once she said what the f is that i'm like sitting there frozen solid and as we realized something extremely weird is happening these big heavy over uh, far too unusual like really heavy big loud footsteps from both the left and the right side of the fence started to walk towards um, our position towards in front of us, right? From the left and the right. And it, you could tell it was bipedal and they were extremely exaggerated, very loud. Some, it, felt, it was like something out of a nightmare that had become, that was real because I've never frozen solid in my whole life. I've never been frozen with fear like that ever before. Uh, never known anything like it. Uh, she got so scared that she actually jumped up and said, I'm sorry, babe. And she ran inside, slammed the back door, and I'm <laughs> sat there. Able to like, move. You're on <laughs> your own, Max. That's yeah. A <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She abandoned me. Um, I'm sorry. I, I'm the wolf man about to roll up. <laughs> yeah. if, if it was, If it was just like the footsteps... That, that's I would have thought, well, this is weird because we don't have any large predators here. We have the occasional stag, big deer. Um, I've seen one, a huge one, um, once years ago. But other than that, we have foxes, rabbits, badgers, the odd badger, a hedgehog. You know, there's no, there's no large animals. Uh, this thing sounded like a damn dinosaur walking behind the fence, two dinosaurs. 
Is this um, like a Sasquatch type of a deal, or what are you thinking this is? That that's what got me, man. Is that I don't, I don't obviously I don't know what it was, but it wasn't visible. It was invisible um, to our, our eyes. Oh, so, so you're just hearing the steps but not seeing it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'm thinking what? about a few things with this. Mm. The thing that comes to mind first is that almost every fear humans have has to do with survival, right? And what is one fear that almost all children, for instance, share? A fear of monsters in their bedroom, boogeymen, something under their bed, something Mm -hmm. jumping out of their closet, something grabbing them, right? And I'm just wondering, you know, in our DNA, are we coded to know that something's not always right with this? that there's something that we may not be able to see or anticipate in the dark, ready to jump out and grab us. You know, I know that sounds scary and creepy, but you know, all of our fears are like that, you know, fear of falling, fear of poison, fear of whatever. And I just wonder if we have that fear too, there's gotta be some reason our DNA tells us that. I just just want to say my fear, and I'm going to share this with you guys is like, uh, you know, therapists, uh, who 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 meditate a lot uh, that might be from Maryland. Those are the type of things that, that keep me awake at night and, and, and scared. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, what that really means or anything. <laughs> Deb, I don't know if you want to take a stab at that one, but we could be killer. Could be killer. Very <laughs> <Pretty> dangerous. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's, it's interesting, though, Debs, you should say what you said because I my immediate instinct I felt like it was a test of my resolve I felt like it was purposefully whatever it was is was purposefully trying to freak me that scare the hell out of me and physically what I found strangest was that I couldn't I literally couldn't move I was frozen solid like the back of hair on the back of my neck stood up I was absolutely frozen solid that pissed me off right so i got mad i got angry so she's run off slammed the door she's now behind me the window behind me and i she doesn't know okay yeah like i think she thought i was being brave no i was frozen solid so i can't um, move mate mate. (laughs) but these these heavy footsteps they came synchronized left right boom 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 so whatever these two things are are right in front of me a few feet in front of me, just behind the fence. But you can see through the fence, and there's nothing there. I, I saw nothing. Um, and so I've got really angry, and I've gritted my teeth. I'm like, come on. I mean, I'm ready to be pounced on by, like you said, Deb, some monster from a nightmare by the sounds of it, by the feeling of it. And just as quick as the feeling had dropped and fell on us, and the silence and the, the intense uh, feeling of being watched, it lifted just as quick as it had fallen on us. And I, it was such a relief, but there were no sounds came from anything walking away. So I sat there for a few moments, gained my courage and stood up and walked over to the fence line, looked over, nothing there, nothing there. So, and, and we've both said to each other since, why I wish we'd have looked up. You know, we were so focused on what was happening in front of us audibly that we didn't think to look around. Um, And so that was the first time anything 
intensely negative or apparently negative had happened but i took that as some sort of test i don't know why but i felt like it was testing me it's interesting you should say that because i haven't shared this story really before i think i told tj and a few other people but right in the beginning, when I started studying the UFO phenomenon, which um, was not my original intent in life, I assure you, I was not thinking about it. Um, but one of the first things that happened within a few weeks was there was knocking on my window in my bedroom and my bedroom is on the second floor. Wow. wow. And my boyfriend heard that as well. And he's extremely wow. skeptical, by the way. He heard it, too. And it went on for so long, I had time to go outside, look outside, saw nothing outside my window. Still have no idea what it was. It kept going while I was looking. And that was it. Like, I just, like, I don't know if it was a, a test or anything like that, but my response was, I'm going to go check it out. I'm not scared. I don't think that's cool. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. But, but I have also relayed out into the universe please don't get inside my house without my permission mm -hmm. like that yeah. i will not respond well to that mm -hmm. you can meet me outside yeah well, but are, are both of you open to a a in-person interaction with with beings like how, uh yeah first you max how, how would you react to an in, uh, invitation to board a craft by beings things things have changed over the years now um but i'm aware I'm aware that the physical response in us when faced with something like this uh, is, if this is the right phrase, abject fear, like a natural mm -hmm. response. Sure. Um, From anybody, any human. Yeah, and it's, it's annoying because I wish I could go back and relive these experiences, but with what I know now and who I've become since then from those experiences I wish I could go through it again because my reactions and what I would have done would be completely different. Um, I could try to overcome that natural response, which is interesting to consider how the first night I felt an overwhelming sense of love. I mean, it put tears in my eyes. My eyes welled up and I was surprised at that. And I, it didn't seem natural. And again, it's profound. I mean, you're seeing something hmm. that a, that a, a minimal amount of people compared to the world's population have seen at close range, yeah. a, a minimal amount of people. Yeah. And, and, and back in the day, that would have been called a miracle, right? They would have had a religious epiphany. I think that's oh, what yes. they would call that. That's exactly because I, I'm not religious and I've never been religious per se. I've always been, again, open minded. Maybe you could say agnostic. Um, but, but I honestly had no idea what I was looking at and what I experienced. Um, and I, I didn't still to this day, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I wish it was just as simple as ETs from somewhere else that makes it nice and simple, but I, I don't know. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. Um, so so okay after that night in the garden right um my my son was born uh my youngest son and he had a really hard time we had to pull him out early way too early 10 weeks early to save him from possible brain damage and it was the most intensely negative scary time for emotionally 
Um, all my other three children were born healthy, no problems. Uh, and with Blake, my little boy, who's now seven, he had a really hard time. And so um, I thought we were going to lose him. I couldn't deal with it. I wasn't handling it very well. And I had to argue the case in the hospital to get them to give a C-section because they kept trying to wait and wait and monitor and monitor. Um, and I had to threaten legal action if anything were to happen to him and just please pull him out now. Obviously, there was a massive risk with that. And he spent five weeks in intensive care. Mm -hmm. So it was at this time, and I can then put a date on this. So some time, a couple of months have gone past. So he was born on, or was pulled out, let's say, out of the oven early. Um, <laughs> 17th of March, 2015. Oh, the day before yeah. before me, my birthday. Oh, wow. Really? Ah, 18. Oh, yeah. And McGrillin <laughs> also has the same birthday as me, Andy. Oh, so, cool. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so uh, he spent five weeks in intensive care, right? So 17th of March, five weeks after that, that's when I know he was here. And within that week, uh, within that couple of, within that five week window, my teenage son had come to live with me, who was now 14, my oldest, my oldest son, unexpectedly, and with a whole host of problems that came with that and under the circumstances. So it was a tough time, lots of other reasons that I won't go into now, but it was a really tough time. So, uh, so what are we looking at? March, April, end of April. Yeah. 2015. Mm-hmm. So my little boy, baby boy sleep on the, uh, so, no, this no, sorry. I've, I've missed up the first thing that happened is with my eldest son that was afterwards. So we've gone for a walk, right? In the back of the house, we have some woods, some patches of woods and it's about one o'clock in the afternoon. It was a cold day quite breezy big blue sky you know when you have that light blue sky on a cold day but it's still sunny yes sir and then um this is a piece of wood it's only five minutes walk away and i thought i'd take a walk into the woods with my my oldest son and we'd have a catch-up because i hadn't seen him in a long time and as we're walking towards the wood line which is way off the road you cars can't see where you are from there hedgerows block the view so it's very isolated, but I'd been in there a hundred times. Um, and just as we we're about to walk into the woods, that damn feeling that fell on me in the back garden with Hannah happened again, just like that. And it was uh, really uh, horrible because I knew something. I, there's un undeniable, undeniable. Um, whatever is about to happen, it's part of that whole package. My son noticed it too, just like Hannah did. I've stopped and I'm scanning in the woods thinking, why is there danger? It was imminent danger, overwhelming feeling. Hair on the back of the neck stood up. Silence falls. Feeling of being watched is overwhelming, like unnatural. And he says, Dad, what is that? As in the feeling. I'm like, in my head, I think, oh, shit, he feels it too. It's not just me. Hmm. Uh, you feel it too? I asked him. He's like, yeah, don't, I don't like it. And then all of a sudden, that feeling of being watched wasn't just a claustrophobic feeling from all around. Suddenly it felt like it had a direction. And as weird as that is, it's, almost, it's like that's the only way to put it. 
I felt like it was drilling a hole in the energy right back. Yeah, like yeah, like somebody staring right in the back of your head, and you feel it. You tangibly can feel it, sense it, like like you, like any other sense that's obvious. And so my immediate response was to turn and look up in the sky behind me from where that was coming from. And as I've looked up, this very very dark, blacker than black almost cylindrical object cigar shaped object whatever you want to call it um just shot moved to the left behind the only puffy cloud in the sky hmm. and I, I just caught it as it went poop, like almost like it was hiding it went to hide and what's really interesting about that is black is not like a natural color in the sky like you in, unless a craft or aircraft is black it's a it's an unusual it provides great contrast against the blue sky. I, I just had a revelation mm. and just throwing this out there. Is it possible that your first encounter happened because they wanted you to know that there was some danger in the area and they wanted you to be more aware of what was going to start happening near you? I, I put it down for the longest time. And I still, if I had to choose what I'd prefer to think, I'd prefer to think that it was, and I used to just think it was just in the area. And it happened to notice this idiot that's up at 4 a.m. in the garden, the only guy that's awake in the neighborhood, and it wanted to come in for a closer look. That's what I prefer to assume. Because it could again, be. It could be. Hmm. But, but then, like, none of this, none of it makes any damn sense because although I prefer to think that it was just in the area and noticed me and came in for a look, it, it's, it doesn't answer all the questions that come from everything that happened. It felt like it was toying with me, messing with me. Like it got way too personal. It right. got way too scary. Um, what's the word? Um, it became invasive. It became, well, let, let's talk about two things. Hmm. One thing is perhaps it started as that, happenstance and then it recurred as a result of its interaction with you and your knowledge of it secondly you talked about invasive you talk about it staring uh, a hole in the back of your head you talked about in the garden is is it possible that you think like terry loveless said when that eight man um that mantid being looked at me i felt like it knew everything about me it there was nothing I could hide from it. It looked at me and immediately knew everything about my entire past. That's definitely how I would describe being under it that first night, DJ. It, it really did feel like every, there's no, that's what's beautiful about that communication. The instruction it gave me was it's like so perfect. And when, when we try and we're verbal creatures, we learn, we're born a blank sheet. And we, we have all this potential as babies, right? Um, and yet we we limit ourselves by learning verbal language communication. What it taught me was that whatever, whatever it did, however it did it, whether through technology or some other means, we're definitely capable of receiving because I did. And it felt like it was an innate ability within myself to do that. 
so I translating it into words, don't close the door, go outside in the cup is a very laborious way to describe verbally something that was received perfect, perfect communication, instantaneous, like a absolutely perfect instant communication. Because it's not words. Otherwise, mm. we would say, oh, these intelligences are multilingual. You know, mm. they go down to Chile and they can speak Spanish. And then they're over in Varginas and they're speaking Portuguese. And then they're speaking British English and American mm. English. I think they just make you feel so they give you an instruction that goes into your consciousness. And you know what it's asking right. you to do. And you mm. just do what it what it says. But it's not it. It comes back to you in words. Just like I, I just asked my wife a little while ago, hey, as as a joke, kind of, because I already knew what it said. Can you translate this Spanish to see how she's doing on her Spanish? Because she speaks Portuguese. And what did she do? She translated it to Portuguese. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're doing this. You're, they're speaking to you in some way or communicating with you and you're translating it into English. Mm -hmm. They're not speaking to you. I assume. They're not speaking to you in English. Okay, so I, I had a couple of things I wanted to comment on. Sure, I, go ahead. It's your show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, TJ. One was, you know, even with our own communication, words are just a very small fraction of everything. So mm. it's the words themselves mean very little compared to the in like the the way we say the words and the body language, body right? Language. Yep. Mm -hmm. But but um the thing that I, I keep going back to a lot of people say when they have that first experience it changes them. We talked about in the past, um we spoke about you know what possibly is happening within our brain. You had a sensation of change. So maybe even if it wasn't intentional because you had that first encounter, every other encounter since has either been something you can detect or has been magnified for you, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. So many questions. So many, so many questions. Um, so, yeah, it's, it stumps me sometimes. There, there are just so many avenues to to go down, all speculation and that angers me because i'm i'm annoyed at it like why do that to me and then leave me hanging man? well like M max if this could not have happened would you wish it never happened from the get-go it's in yeah, interesting at the time i was really really upset with it all um i was angry i was confused i was in denial as well i was Definitely PTSD. That first night, I couldn't even talk. I just broke down in tears. I was a wreck. And it went on like that for some time. Like I couldn't handle it. It was too much to take. And so you go into shutdown mode, um, especially when it got scary, right? That's that's where I got so... Uh, like I didn't want that. I didn't know what was happening. I did not know what on earth was happening to us. Um and I thought I was losing my mind, but then that means we're all losing our mind at the same time. Especially Deb. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, but <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, DJ, now, again, things have really changed over the years, right? So now, now I appreciate it, but I'm also still highly frustrated about it because I still need, I need answers, man. 
I really need answers and I don't think I'm ever going to get them. And so... Uh I, I will say that I think, you know, as you said, things have changed. I was just talking to DJ about this, I think it was just yesterday, about how all these people who come into this topic to research, they go from their initial ideas or initial concept with everything. And then the next step is they start looking at experiencers. So I think that we're approaching the topic a lot more with serious academics and science people who are coming forward like jim semivan you know john ramirez serious people coming forward to talk about experiencers so i think that what's going to happen is you will get more information from other people who have had similar um situations and it may not be you know 100 percent right now but you're going to get at least oh some commonalities to look at yeah, that's the thing. It's it. Twitter has really saved me, <laughs> um, and you, DJ, and you, Debs. Honestly, honestly, because when because we met literally in that Twitter space, right? Mm -hmm. We did. I can't remember how long it's been, but um, it's been a while. But the thing was, uh, I hadn't spoken or dealt with what it had done to me. And I was, I just tried to deny everything, even though it overwhelmed me. It was, it's been in my mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week ever since. Really? I, I cannot get it out. It, it's overwhelmed my mind ever since that night in 2014. Wow. It never leaves me. Okay. Cannot, okay. Let, let me ask some questions here. So 24 hours. So you think about this every well, day with uh, maybe not 24 hours a day, but you think of this every day without fail. And it's Definitely. with a negative connotation. No, no, no. That's the thing. No. So I've been through phases mm -hmm. where it was getting upsetting. Um, you know, when I spoke, I asked to speak to Nathan. I, I vaguely remember that. I'm just kidding. I definitely remember that. Yeah. Well, well um, I, I, go, I went through some phases a little while back over the years as well, where I was really disturbed by the negative stuff really really disturbed and um and looking for answers uh in places i i went to peterborough cathedral uh to speak to a priest and i, I ended up again um getting hyper emotional when i was mm -hmm. trying to talk to them mm -hmm. they gave me an email address of a, another priest to speak to um that deals with this kind of thing she said um i've looked uh I've gone down every avenue to try to find answers that I can personally to no avail. So I'm still confused, but I'm in a better place now. I've reached a point where pretty much I can talk about it without being a, an emotional wreck. I occasionally get the tingles come up, you know, the tingles come up again when I talk about it and think about it sometimes, but I don't get, the trauma has been talked. I've talked it out of me. I've I've talked it out of me. You know uh, what? I'm sorry, but I just have to say, from a mental health perspective, it sounds like you're experiencing grief. Um, not just you know, obviously trauma, which you know can be very much part of grief, but it sounds like you're almost grieving who you were before. Like it's like the loss of what you knew before. It's just that's what you're going through, like 
grief? It's, <clears throat> I would say the hardest thing about it is, I guess, what we all share, but for it's the intensity of the need for answers, the frustration of not knowing what it was. And that's why I say I prefer, if I had a choice, I would say, right, it's just ETs from somewhere else. Nice and simple. Nice and simple. That's easy. That's great. Fine. But it's not that simple. It really isn't that simple. Um, I'd like to think it is. I really want to hope and I hope it just is. But it doesn't answer the questions of all the stuff that happened afterwards. Um, but so I, where are we at? We had no, right. Look, look, yeah. let, let's talk about this for a second, though. Mm. We look at our lives as this very long span. And in fact, we're really, really lucky if we make it like 80 years. Yeah. We were talking to Dr. Masters the other night and he was talking about, you know, six to eight million years ago when we started to stand upright and walk. So, the, you know, we may not get answers in your lifetime and probably definitely not in my time, my lifetime. I don't even know how much longer I'm going to live. You know, I'm 55. I might not live to be 70. Who knows? So, but that's okay with me. Yeah. Uh, because in this, you could be blissfully ignorant, the guy you were before that day in 2014, or you could be the more evolved Max that you are now with an entire support system around you. Not, you know, including us too, but many other people, Nathan and all these others uh, that you've interacted with. And and you're exploring the topic and we may not we don't get the answers to everything in life necessarily. I'm OK with that. If I get more than what I have now, which I might before I die. Hell, they're having hearings next week. The UK, you know, three years from now, they may be having hearings in in Parliament for all I know. And maybe they'll release what they have and other. And as a result of these hearings, maybe other countries will, will follow suit. Other sovereign nations. So uh, let's just think of this as an exploration we're going through. And you were someone that was chosen either based on you being an extraordinary person, which we see you to be, or, no. or, or happenstance. But either way, you were revisited as Deb has been. And I haven't. So am I going to be tortured by the fact that I haven't? Had a second interaction? No. What I'm going to do is take stock in the fact that I've met you and I met Deb and I've met all these people only, only as a result of the phenomenon. But for the phenomenon, I would not know any of you and mm -hmm. have this entire tangent of my life, which I love. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So what's there to be upset about? Yeah. No, it I'd probably shit my pants too if something <laughs> like that happens. So what? Yeah, no, it's, I've got to admit it's um, part of it. Mostly has been at night when I, because of uh, the shadow figure in the house, the poltergeist thing um, that happened afterwards as well, and knowing knowing the invasiveness, the how it can just come in and uh, scare the sh living daylights out of you at any moment. Absolutely. Anything. Mm. Absolutely. The it's UFC like, champion, the yeah. UFC heavyweight champion, Francis yeah. Ngannou would be terrified if he yeah. saw what you saw. Well, Anybody is, would. It's not, it's, it's called being human. Yeah. But it, this is the thing again, it's really weird, right? I'm, 
everyday stuff, real life, real life stuff. Doesn't I don't give a damn. Like a um, bit of an adrenaline junkie, and been through a lot of accidents, fights, all kinds of fun stuff. Right, mm-hmm. that's fine. But this is something else. This is like bone chilling dread stuff which you never experienced other than a, the worst nightmare you ever had, but it's happening in broad daylight. And so it gets into you in a way that's not normal in life and affects you in a way. That, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to ponder on, like, I'm not saying I appreciate it now. And it's, it was incredible. And I am thankful for the experiences and I've learned from it. So now I'm aware that those bone chilling, dreadful, intensely fearsome moments um i need if it ever happened again like that i'm gonna stand my ground and do my damnedest to overcome that that reaction but it is when you're faced with something like that in front of you it's uh beyond anything that you'd experience in normal natural life that, yeah. that i've ever had I, I just keep thinking of it as you know we said before it's like a package it's like a package once those eyes are open completely or i should say more so and you're picking up more than what you did before you're going to pick up not always the good but some of the bad as well Hmm. so and and i guess that's what we all have to be aware of like there's a lot of people who are naive about this and are encouraging the phenomenon to just get all up in their business You would, Deb, if that if you were at Max's house, you would have said to that thing, I want you to land right now and talk to me. I know no, you would have said that. I, I've already announced to people that I would get on a craft and then go visit everybody in mm. the craft. Like and then I would be taking over the craft and it would just, just be a nice. Yeah. No, I that I you know, I've already like had negotiations. I sent them out there, like this is what I would do for you. You know, so anyhow. I wanna um, have you guys on, on triple D. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I mean I've already like, you know, whatever. It's a whole thing. But um I mean I I feel like, you know, I some of us do really kind of get commissioned in this, you know what I mean? Like we're not all of us are just independent in this and it's you know there's there's this concept of autonomy that people have talked about Stuart davis brought that up when talking to jim semivan you may want to engage with Stuart davis about that he's part of the four experiencers group i don't know if you've spoken to him yet um i I did take the free trial at one point and i joined one meeting um and i'd spoken with jay jay christopher king great guy yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely they're really nice people. Um, I just found kind of um, ways of trying to cope and get through it myself. I've always been a an, a stubborn, independent kind of person. Never right. needed or look. So this is what's been a real journey for me is I've never dealt with anything uh, by talking about it. I've been through things in life which were extremely traumatic, but I always, being a child of the 80s and prior to that, whatever, we were different, right? We didn't talk. I've never uh-huh. talked to anybody about things that bother me. I just bottle it up and keep it there. Um, and so this is the first thing that's the first time I've ever realized. And my girlfriend was telling me because I'd get so emotional about it. If I mentioned it to her, that's how it's been bothering me and bothering me. And I can't sleep any, I'm, I can't sleep at night and I'm 
I need I need answers. She was telling me, you need to talk to somebody because she saw how much it was messing me up for years afterwards. And that's when I started becoming, number one, I started to think maybe I should just put a video on YouTube where I try to talk it through and it might help someone else, but it will help me, I hope. And I did a couple of videos on YouTube just with me trying to talk it through. Um, and then I realized Twitter had spaces and I joined in a space one night listening to, I, it was Danny Silver and a few other people mm -hmm. um, talking about some cases. And I didn't, I didn't know what Twitter spaces was. It, it was a brand new thing. So I joined in just to say, I'm coming from this from a different angle because just from having an experience, I needed to talk about it. Um, and I don't really, you know, from a different angle. And he, they ended up asking me about it. I spoke about it and then, I realized, wow, that felt good to get it off my chest and share it. It really felt good. So that's when a few nights or a couple of weeks or something later, DJ and I met in a space and I think I was talking about it then. And yeah, all of us addicted to talking about right. it. <laughs> I will also say that if you um, look at OPUS, Opus, they have certified therapists who are, you know, working with um, this but with experiencers, they understand that they are there because they believe and support experiencers. And, and that's not actually that important for any therapist. You can go and get treatment for this. I should point it out because therapy is not supposed to treat the why. They're supposed to treat the result. So um, I don't know. I just want to point that out that that's out there also. Thanks, Deb. So I, when John Ramirez spoke about it i think on your program dj and calling all beings um so i did actually contact them and i had a, a therapist she gave me a link for um some of the what do you call it now hemi-sync audio to listen to yeah so I, I downloaded a bunch of that and listened to that i found it really nice to chill out to that but i've not done much else or spoken to them since and that was a few months ago but um and we're all here for you man it's not like we're going anywhere thank you yeah yeah i, I mean <laughs> unless i die i'm still gonna be here so <laughs> cool and i really do appreciate that and you do a great service because um for me like i say i feel a lot better now i've i feel like i've come through some really dark times with it and i feel able to talk about it now to the point where it is so long there's so much to tell because, again, even now I've, I've stopped after there's still so much more happened, right? But it's so long. It takes a lot of energy to go through it all because it's so deep. I mean, I could talk, right. for, as you know, last I can talk for hours and hours just about that first night, that first experience, let well, alone this went on for years, three and, years. And, and Max, you got Stephanie is new in, in cab. She is an experiencer. Uh, I don't know if you've heard her yet. And she mm, yeah. to, to say that she is extremely passionate about experiencers would be a, an understatement. And mm. why are you are you smoking, mate? Sorry, Wait, no. <laughs> For <laughs> sakes. <laughs> it's just air. It's just By the, air. I, wa I want to tell Max, I, I, I had my first MOT in Peterborough. I just want to let you know that. Did you really? Yeah. I went and picked my car up there from the States oh, wow. when it came. So they did the MOT right there they put uh british lights on it in the whole nine so that it would meet uk spec and then we drove off oh wow 
Wow. <laughs> so, so Max, we're you know we're getting to the end of the episode, and um, I know that of course we didn't get through everything, and you're always welcome to come back for a part three. And, <laughs> and what we may do because you do have this uh, ongoing need. I think this is perpetual, and if we've noticed this with Steph. Of course, she brings it up all often. What happened, right? I think there's an ongoing need to just work it out. Because there really isn't a guidebook for this. You know, I could look to the DSM and there's not going to be a guidebook for your particular experience. Even if I looked up other abductees or contactees or experiencers or whatever you want to call it, there's not going to be a specific guide for your experience. No one can know exactly what you went through. But if you talk to other people who have some commonalities, I think it's going to help. So what I'm going to recommend is that I start working on getting a group together for part three. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll even do it on CAV. Sure. Yeah. yeah sure. Cool. And yeah. do another experience for panel. I know yes. Steph would love to get a uh, yep. chance to talk about her. Um, so That's a great idea, man. Great way right. to welcome Steph and get right. Max back in this joint. Right. So maybe we'll do that. Um, just give everyone a chance and maybe, maybe not even break things down that way, but like, Oh, let's talk about the questions that we have. Sure. Like maybe you can like just break down the questions you have and maybe someone else will give you a piece of an answer. That's a, you know what? That's a great angle, Deb. I think you should be part of cab. Really? I, th I think that's a good idea. <laughs> okay. DJ. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to call all the beings. So, <laughs> No, clearly you're not. She's like, I only stop doing CE5. So. <laughs> no, I, I I worry because I've I've been saying from the beginning that I've been given the impression that not all things are good. Right. And that but, I've been But she always chokes up when I get Iandoli on. I'm like, so Deb, and she's like, Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I just want to point out that James mentioned something about us doing something with John. Yes, I saw Did that. Did you saw that? So yeah. That's... Well, he messaged me a plate of pasta, though. He's like, it's Joey's birthday over at the Paradise. Because he knows that the family, the place where I, I go for dinner every time I come home is right across from his house. It's the Paradise. And he cool. sent me like a photo of the rigatoni that he was eating. So. Okay. So, so Max, I'm going to give you homework, okay? Because that's yeah, yeah. kind of what I do sometimes. Yeah. My homework is for you to just write down a list of all your questions, and then you're going to bring them, bring your mm. questions, and you don't have to go through everything again. Why are you shaking your head at me, DJ? Now I'm like, try as you might, you're never going to find anyone like Deb. She's a one-off baby. You're not going to... <laughs> Whatever, it's totally She's normal so to, lovable. to interview people and then give them homework. Uh, yeah, right? oh yeah. I mean, every show does this, so yeah, it's not really out of the norm. Yeah, that is, that's cool. Um, yeah, that uh, yeah, there's definitely lots of questions, and as I'm, one day I'll get through the whole story. <laughs> well, you know what, Max. I know I know that there's it's not over because even mm. between uh I think the very first time we spoke and then later on when we were about to do the interview, you were telling me about some of the other things that was that were happening around, including a helicopter over your house, right? So mm. so we have a lot more to unpack. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There is a lot. 
Hey, Just Band of Brothers wasn't done in one episode, Max. It's right. like six yeah. episodes, man. So, I mean, we haven't even got to Bestone yet in, the, in your story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was an awesome series, right? It, wasn't it? It was, man. And but the premiere was in France when I went to Normandy to participate in the D-Day celebration. So Tom Hanks cool. turned up, rented a big tent and played the uh, and played the basically uh, I, he must have only played or it was not for Band of Brothers. I'm sorry. It was Saving Private Ryan. It was. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because he was in Saving Private Ryan. So the troops got to preview it. I was off hanging out with another army guy and a couple hot French girls. So I wasn't there. Oh. <laughs> I said, see you guys later. Yeah. I got something. <laughs> yeah, too, right. <laughs> I yeah, hope you're not princess. listening to this, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> and not that anything untoward happened, but they literally, they took us to battle sites. Uh, they took us to where they had those pillboxes, uh, the Nazi pillboxes and so forth. And um, they're really cool. We literally went to get, went and meet their family. I, it was 22 years ago. I'm still in touch with that family today. The daughters and, and everything. So, yeah. So, wow. Wow. So before we close out, Max, I wanted to give you a chance. Is there, is there something that you just want to say to other people who may be listening, who have gone through some things that you have gone through, that you just might want to throw out as a message to them before we close up? I would say definitely, definitely talk, talk about it as much as you can. Don't care what people don't don't worry about judgment from others um because it's really super important that you talk about it to get it out of your system to get it off your chest to relieve the emotional response that you you'll have you know i watched it with david lanier mm -hmm. i watched him go through those emotional responses as he tried to talk about it i i've been there done that you will work through it. So the more you talk about it, the less the emotional turmoil will be. And just keep talking about it because not only are you going to help yourself, but you're absolutely going to help other people as well. You're going to help other people. So I'm, you know, you're helping yourself and you're helping others. And, and from all of the detail that you give about your experience, um, the, the devil's in the detail. One day, hopefully, we will understand that these snippets of information, even the bits of it that may seem irrelevant, could hold a lot of weight. They could be really important. So, yeah. It's amazing how when we connect the pieces, so many pieces seem to connect. You know, it's like I, I'm not trying to be silly and funny, but it's just there's so many things that end up mattering that people yeah. are are not seeing if the, if you get I say this all the time if you get stuck on one tree instead of the whole forest you're missing something exactly exactly so. uh, yeah, Max exactly. in closing I just want to say to you Max uh, make sure tomorrow uh, you're watching MotoGP on D, uh, BT Sports okay mm. and and, <laughs> and and let let's see if uh, either of the Frenchmen Fabio Quartararo or Joan Zarco can can bring it home oh they're both the French. French guys. Yeah, well, they're, I mean, they're on the second row of the grid to start. But, yeah, the Ducatis have pretty much locked up the front row of the grid. Wow. So. wow. Yeah. DJ, I've got a, a good friend of mine, Anthony Danko. He's never going to, he's, you know, he, he laughed at me and said, oh, I thought you'd gone nuts when you were telling me about what, what you said happened to you 
he's a great friend of mine, but I don't even go there with this subject matter. Mm -hmm. But he, he, um, he lived out in Monaco mm -hmm. oh for some God. time and worked for Amber Lounge, a company that do all of the, you know, the yachts that are on the racetrack mm -hmm. side. Um, and I've got my sister-in-law, my girlfriend's sister, Lauren Green. Uh, she's gone out to work for Amber Lounge. She's been out there for three years now. So they do all of the VIP events alongside the Formula One stuff. So I don't know if you're into MotoGP, you're into the Formula One stuff too? Yes, but man, once you see it done on two wheels where you have to physically maneuver the bike, they get pitched off. It's it's so much more. The level of difficulty is so much more. There's no roll cage. There's no harness. There's no head and neck restraint device. And more people have crashed this weekend. I can't believe they even run races at Le Mans. So, yes, in, I, I like Formula One, but compared to MotoGP, it's just there's so much more skill and physicality involved in it. And uh -huh. a couple laps around the racetrack on a motorcycle would tell you that. Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> down the line, you've got to come out there with me because. Uh, oh, I would love to go. Yeah. <laughs> and see any motor race, yes. Yeah. I, I went out in 2018. Um, to go see him because he runs these uh, luxury events himself. He runs a company um, and he, he shuttles people in by heli helicopter from Nice Airport to Monaco. And I had to chase him around Monaco in a supercar, a hypercar, sorry. So we get to drive some really cool cars wow. and have a great time. That would really be dope, time. man. That would mm -hmm. be really dope. Yeah. Uh, Debs, I'm sorry to wrestle your, your podcast toward MotoGP. Everybody should be watching it. It's amazing. I know. I'm yeah. just not a sports person. I'm like, I can't even watch like the whatever. I'm, I'm okay. There's an old saying, can't <laughs> knock it till you try it, though, no matter what I, sport it is. I, I'm a more of a doer than a watcher. Like, I would rather, you know, go out and do these things. What, what, you want... know, what's really quickly, what's what's interesting about this is we're – we're a gigantic country compared to either Spain or Italy or even Great Britain. And yeah. there, you know, we have three over 300 million people. Our motorcycle riding population is huge in the United States. And the fastest guy in all of the United States can't ride fast enough to be in MotoGP. That guy is in Moto2 and he's mid to rear the pack. So that gives you an idea of how difficult this is. The fastest guy in the United States. Pick anybody. Well, they found him, and he went over there, and that's what he can do. Wow. Wow. That's interesting when you put it like that, right? That's yeah. how much skill it takes to do this. You yeah. can put anybody on their bike, but they're not going to be able to turn those lap times because they can't turn off the fear. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I always yeah. say I'm going to be faster – when I next lap out, I'm going to be faster, and then I get scared. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, okay, Dan. guys, we got to say goodbye. <laughs> Give you guys some time to sleep before you watch the the sports. <laughs> I'm hiring a boat on a lake tomorrow with my little boy, a, a shape Aww. of a swan. So uh, that's what I'll be doing. So I'm going to go get. Cool. Yeah, watch me drop the oars. So if you don't hear from me in a few days, I'm stuck in the lake. Call the <laughs> <laughs> let us know what lake this is <laughs> yeah, yeah. is it bad timing to mention that uh there was a video by preston dennett about boats and oh. USOs oh, <laughs> that just came out 
<laughs> well, Debs, you're uniquely qualified. You're a friend of Scott Gearin. He's a pararescueman, so clearly he's an experiencer. He could go in and rescue Max by yes, any means. That would be awesome. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> let him know. Actually, he just sent me a, a message before we got on here today. So much synchronicity today. I know. He needs to meet Max, man. What an awesome guy Scott is, man. Yeah, yeah um, he could join that cool. panel. We could ask Scott to come to the Yeah, that would be another good guy to have on the panel. Yeah, we'll get together. Right. Deb will be primary on helping us put together this experience for panels. So. Right. Because yeah, he, he jumped here at um, Sibson Airfield. Yes, yes. 10 minutes away. Yeah, right. he's, a, he's a legend in the community, man. He's going to join me for a Bentwaters reunion kind of show that I'm working on. So hopefully it'll work out, but we'll see. Not not to name drop, but um, I have a friend that I ride go to the track with that uh, was a member of SEAL Team 6. And when I mentioned Scott Gearin, boom, he knew who he was right away. Nice. So here's a Navy guy aware of an Air Force uh, pararescueman special ops guy. And he knew who he was right away. So that that Scott, is, he's well known. He's an awesome, awesome person. Yes, he is. But since we are on the subject of awesome people, DJ, can you let everyone know where they can find you in the future? Okay, yeah. So uh, you can find me on, uh, as you can see on the screen there, at call underscore all underscore beings. The show is at calling beings on Twitter. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook now, believe it or not. We're on Instagram and TikTok. Thank, uh, thanks to Flarius Kevin. Uh, we do the show along with uh, Deb as our researcher. Flarius Kevin, obviously my co uh, co creator, co collaborator at A Wave Soul Nathan, and uh, our new one at UAP Experiencer Steph. We also have a new show that's part of the Calling All Beings Network, and it's called The Secret Knowledge with Shane and Allison, or is it Allison and Shane? I don't know. I've, they're amazing. Uh, very impressed with them. So, uh, so yeah, thank you very much, Deb, for inviting me. Uh, it's an honor to, to co-host the show with you and get to talk to my friend, Maxie McCabe. And you were awesome as usual. And Max, can you please let everyone know where they can find you? Oh, I'm in Bretton, Peterborough. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <I'm... laughs> yeah. I think I uh, just, I don't know what the at symbol is at Max E McCabe um, on Twitter. It's the only social media I really use. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and also you can look at his story with the pictures that he provided and video um, at the UFO connector.com. Cause he's one of the people that came forward and wanted to share on that page, which is for the whole community. So if anyone else wants to share or wants to contribute it's for everyone and it's free no ads no analytics it's just for the community period um or for people coming into the community so i'm definitely i'm trying to help them too so um i wanted to say goodbye and take care to everyone especially of course everyone who came today thank you for coming and i wanted to let people know if they need to find me i am with calling all beings on youtube i am on LinkedIn at Study of UAPs, on Twitter, Facebook. I lose track of all the places that I am and I always have trouble with this one. It's kind of, and I get made fun of for my low Instagram involvement. 
all the time. But I'm everywhere, guys. If you need me, reach out and we'll touch base. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, love. Thank you. Thank you very much.